Hey girl, welcome to the Reconstructed Woman podcast. I am your host, Claire Davey, and I am so excited that you are here. If you are a woman, wife, or mama looking for freedom in Christ, get ready. The mission of the Reconstructed Woman is to help women just like you release the pain of your past, rebuild your identity in Christ, and renew your mind in truth. Girl, I love truth. I love keeping it real, and you're going to get plenty of that here. I am so excited for what God is going to do through this mic and in your life. Hey, hey, we are talking about forgiveness today. Okay, that rhymes. Um, I'm going to jump right in to chapter seven, and I am going to read a little bit from my book and then talk to you a little bit about forgiveness. The scenery for your life should not be the pit of pain that person dragged you down into. There's so much more to see and discover and experience. Lisa Turkhurst. I remember the pit all too well. It's dark, it's deep, and it's full of pain. It hijacks your senses, leaving your sight fixed on the bad memories, the negative. The anger turns into unforgiveness. Unforgiveness turns into bitterness. Bitterness to retaliation. Retaliation and revenge wrap you in resentment, paralyzing your ability to focus forward because all you can see is what happened to you. You toss and turn, losing losing sleep, As the thoughts of how could they plague your mind, you consider every way you could pay them back. Hate spews from your heart and a haze covers your mind, blinding you to the light and life that's possible for you in Christ. You feel justified in it because you were harmed so horribly. You're stuck on replay and everywhere you turn, it's the same thought process because you're stuck in the pit. I'm not shaming you for being in the pit, and it's not your fault that you're there. You were put there by your abusers, and if I were with you right now, I would hug you and say, I'm so sorry. It's not your fault you're in this pit, but you can't stay there. I would grab your hand and pull you up out of that pit. That pit isn't your final destination. Purpose is your destiny. You were made on purpose for a purpose, and God can redeem and rebuild what's been broken and destroyed through abuse. I imagine God, who knows you, created you, and loves you, wants this much more than I, a complete stranger. I believe he fashioned forgiveness. It's the goal of the gospel. It's a hard concept to wrap our heads and hearts around when we're peddling in our pain. But forgiveness is a ladder out of the deepest, darkest pit. Forgiveness sets you free. God so freely offers forgiveness to you and wants you to participate in it so you can be free. It doesn't make the wrong things that happen to you right, but it does allow you to triumph over the trauma and dance in the destiny that was created for you. 
what forgiveness is and isn't. Forgiveness isn't a feeling. Forgiveness is a choice. Forgiveness is hard and it feels impossible at times. But with Christ, it's possible. Forgiveness is a choice, an act of your own free will to lean into what God has already done on the cross. It requires posturing your heart toward God in obedience to his ways. It's bending toward the grace that only he gives. Forgiveness is placing the person that harmed you in God's hands. You must understand that when you choose forgiveness, you position your heart towards God's kingdom and his principles to not only give that person and what they did to God, but to receive the healing from the harm abuse causes. Forgiveness is not saying what happened to you was okay. God desires all of humanity to enter into his forgiveness. He unconditionally offers forgiveness to us. God's forgiveness is available to every person in the universe through Jesus' death on the cross. He made it possible for us to access God through a relationship with Christ and then acknowledge that we are sinners. He said that when we confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts that we are saved, then we are saved. Now we must forgive too. We must choose to forgive our abusers if we want to experience God's eternal forgiveness. Luke 4, Luke 11:4 says, "Forgive us our sins as we forgive one another." What God says about forgiveness. When we are believers and followers of Jesus Christ, we stand in his forgiveness. We have believed, received, and accepted his forgiveness. Yet he requires us to forgive too. Why? It's his nature and a part of his kingdom. It's a characteristic that he modeled for us. It's a principle that sets us free and aligns us with the kingdom of light. You may have heard the verse from Matthew 12 saying that a house divided can't stand. A person seeking or even claiming God's forgiveness while holding on to unforgiveness towards another person is divided. Healing is a process, but we can't begin that process without forgiveness. We need the healer Jesus to step into our mess and begin to do the work only he can do. He wants to tend and mend our broken hearts. We show God we are serious about his ways and reap the benefits when we choose forgiveness. The torment will leave when you choose forgiveness. Read Matthew 18 when you have time. I want to actually read that. It's not in the book, but I'm going to read it to you because it's in the big book. It's Matthew 18, 21. Parable of the Unforgiving Debtor. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I'll pay it all. Then his master, 
was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to, to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged him for a little time. Be patient with him and I will pay it. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put into prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. The first thing that I want to note is from your heart. So many of us that have been abused or come from dysfunctional families or cults or religious cults or religion, um, confuse this concept, this principle, this command of God to forgive. And so what they believe happens is that you should say that it's okay, even if they don't admit, and I'm specifically talking about abuse in this situation. When somebody has abused you and you feel like forgiving them is just letting them go, not calling them out about it, not bringing it up because you've already been in shame and you don't want to bring it up. And, you know, you're supposed to forgive, right? Or even maybe if you told someone or confronted them or confronted, you know, the leaders, whether that's the leaders of the church or um, the leaders in your family, like wherever, the, whatever system it was, um, and they, if they tell, if their response to abuse was you need to forgive, they're in error because unless they're saying to you and explaining to you that forgiveness is a heart issue, it's the release, releasing them to God and not trying to um, hold on to the bitterness and talking, you know, about it and hating that person and being resentful, all the things I talked about in the beginning of the book. Okay. So if they're just like, you know, you need to forgive, let's put this under the carpet. Let's not talk about it. Let's not tell anyone. Let's not report it. Then that is not biblical. It is not right. 
And I'm here to tell you that it happened with me in many different places. And I'm learning this from personal experience and what the how the Holy Spirit ministered to me and showed me when it comes to abuse and forgiveness. We are to do the work of forgiveness and take the pain to God. But we are to stand up for righteousness and truth and protect the oppressed and defend. And God is a God of justice. And it is not our job to retaliate. It is not our job to get revenge. But it is our responsibility to report the crime. Abuse is a crime. It's against the law. And many systems are not keeping the law. And they're covering it in religion. And it's wrong. It's wrong. So what you need to first do in your mind is separate healing and forgiveness. Reconciliation with your abuser, a relationship with your abuser, cannot be holy, biblical, or right, or true, or healthy, until that person has repented, which has brought about fruit and transformation. So there's plenty of narcissists that and abusers that will say, oh, I'm sorry, and, and it's part of the abuse cycle of control. But do they mean it? Are they stopping? Did they stop? Those are the questions that you need to ask yourself. Do you see a difference in their behavior? Do you see a difference in their character? Are they living for God? Truly, not hiding behind it. Not hiding behind religion. So you need discernment. You need to do the work of forgiveness in in your heart between you and God alone. Now, I mean, you can forgive someone and not even ever tell them. Not even ever tell them. It's letting God take that person off of the throne of your heart of the harm and letting God handle it. It's releasing and relinquishing control to God and saying, I want the freedom that you paid for and I have enough to deal with this harm and hurt in the healing process. So I can't have bitterness and unforgiveness and resentment and retaliation and torment on top of that. And that's what happens when he talks about torment. Now, I think there's an internal torment that truly, if we do not yield to the Lord in these places of our heart, we're not going to be filled with him. 
And so we're deceiving ourselves to think that we even have him are going to be with him for eternity. But I also know that the, the Bible is referring to a torment here on earth by the demonic works of darkness and the principalities of unforgiveness, bitterness, and resentment. And it is, it, it, it are those, it's those spirits that are tormenting you, that are making you replay it, that are making you lose sleep and how could he and want to justify and want to seek revenge and what your heart really wants is healing and you want somebody to acknowledge the pain and where there is abuse there's often dysfunction and especially in families of incest or systems of abuse there's pride. It's all the things I talk about in my book. And they don't want to, to, to swallow their pride, whether they're the abuser themselves or the system or the members of the system. And so you will know if they've done their own heart work by their fruit and by their response to how you are supposed to handle this. You are supposed to forgive, but you are not supposed to call forgiveness covering up, hiding, avoiding. No. You need to tell the truth. And you need to have the courage to stand in the truth. And so when you first do the work in your heart and you separate forgiveness, healing, and reconciliation, you separate them and you say, God, I need healing in my heart. I need somebody in this system to care. Well, what happens when you don't get that. What happens is you realize that their care cannot heal you. My mother did not believe me or chose to pretend not to believe me. Most of my siblings, the same. Most of my extended family, heads down, tucked in the sand, have things to say behind my back, but not the courage to say, hey, how are you doing? What happened to you? No. The system of my family and extended family, there were a few that believed me, but... Not many. And if they believed me, they might have just been telling me that because they had no problem hanging out with my abusers and acting like everything was okay. It's messy. It's mucky. It's ugly. But if we want to heal and we want to become all that we're called to be, 
We need to have the courage to stand on the truth. And that takes the power of the Holy Spirit. So you have to choose to forgive. But forgive does not mean forget and hide. It means give God your abuser. Pray for your abuser. And ask God to come into the place of your heart where the harm happened and where it hurts so deep and for him to bring his healing there. And what will happen is, at least what happened with me, I mean, I I had the strength and the courage to move on and, and not just uh, permeate, you know, marinate in that muck of of shit. Excuse my language, but it is. It's it's caca. That's what it is. I mean, that's a soft version of what it is. You will be pulled out. You will not be tormented. You will be free to be you to 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 move forward. To create space in your heart for healing, for inviting Jesus in. And so what ends up happening is the Holy Spirit will give you revelation and compassion for your abuser or abusers. The person that harmed you, that hurt you. And what you'll see is... What they did was sinfully wicked, wrong. It was not okay. It was evil. But you will see how hurt, how damaged, how dark, their heart must be. And most of them must have gotten harmed and hurt in the way that you did and didn't get the help and weren't brave and weren't courageous enough and were really scared. And the enemy, Satan, has a heyday in those places. He has an absolute heyday in the places of the soil that are in the hearts of people that have been harmed. Evil grows in that soil. It grows in, in until it's exposed. And that is why the Bible tells us to expose the things to acknowledge the darkness so we can invite Jesus in to turn our darkness into light. So for me, I personally feel severe compassion for the people that raped me, that molested me, that abused me, that put me in ritual abuse, ritualistic abuse. However, 
truth, healing and forgiveness, reconciliation are all are are all different things, right? Reconciliation, no. I will not reconcile with the people that abused me and are unwilling to repent. They are not changed. They are not changing. I wouldn't even be helping them. I wouldn't be helping anybody. And I say it in that way because if you're in a sick cycle of abuse and you've been abused and have been a victim your whole life, especially if it's been a family member, especially if it's been a parent, you somehow feel like it's your responsibility to help them. So that that, that level is layer is still there. Anyway, we're moving on from that. I need you to just separate that in your mind because this is loaded. I could do a whole series on forgiveness, and, and I really should because I'm already past time. But I want you to know that I personally experienced the torment of the demons of unforgiveness, retaliation, all the things. And all it did was torment me. I would even call, um, I would even call him and, and Kirk out on him and lose it and flip out and cuss and, and scream and, and just be tormented. And what did that do? Nothing. It didn't make him sorry. It didn't make him change. It did nothing. It just made me feel more guilty and more, more shame that I hurt a person with my words. You don't want to become like your abusers. And so you need to forgive. You do the work of forgiveness and you do the work of healing and you stand in truth and you don't let anyone sway you. You report it. That's your duty to defend the oppressed. God says in his word that he is a God of justice. Isaiah 1:17. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. When you cover the sin of abuse and tell the victim or anybody to cover it too, maybe that's your team, maybe that's your family members, you are taking God's name in vain. Especially if you're, if you're doing it in the name of God, you're taking his name in vain, which is a commandment and a sin. I'll forgive you because he's good like that. But it is very wrong. It's, it's wrong. You don't put forgiveness and healing in the same box and throw a scripture on it and say, you're called to forgive. My mom, who never believed me that my dad abused me, (sighs) 
you know, I waited 10, 11 years because I thought if he changed, if he repented, if I saw fruit that he was serving God and I knew if he changed, he would be in tears at my feet and there would be a tangible transformation. I didn't want to shame him because of the overwhelming compassion that I had. Nobody wakes up and says, I want to abuse my children. Nobody. It is the work of Satan. It is the handprints of generational curses passed down. It is the harm that has been inflicted and is hidden in the heart of victims that are saturated in shame and stuck in their own pain. And I'm not saying that every abuser re-abuses or re-offends. I'm not saying that. But the chances of re-offending and perpetrating that abuse because you weren't able to tell anybody it's there. The chances are so, so high, especially because Jesus doesn't live in that place. And any place that Jesus doesn't live in is darkness. So we need to understand the severity of this. And so I remember my mom saying to me, Well, if it was true, you'd have to forgive him, right? Oh, that was another wound that I had to deal with. That response was so unhealthy and sickening and spoke so much to me and wounded me that I needed to then go deal with that wound on top of it. And so... Don't say that. Don't ever say that to anybody. If you're in ministry, in a group, in a a sports team, in a family, and and abuse comes up, and you don't know what to do, and so you you know you say that. Don't don't say that. (laughs) Um, Because I knew what she meant by forgiveness was. You're going to forget about this. You're not going to press charges. You're going to shove it under the rug. We're going to stick together. I wanted healing. And I wanted reconciliation. For the entire family. But you can't force people to heal when they don't want to or when they're not ready. And I feel like I waited a long time and other people could have gotten hurt in that time. And so (sighs) there comes a point where truth is the final say. And People that are unwilling 
to face the ugly truths and want to cover them up, the injustices, are cowards. And, and I, I don't know any other way to say it. Um, and so it comes down to, are you going to be a coward or are you going to be courageous? Look at our world. Look at the movie that just released, Freedom. I can't even watch it. I, I can't watch it yet. It's hard for, for me to watch the previews. So I understand why they had that meme where it was like the Barbie movie is out and everyone went to the Barbie movie. Um, I understand that many that can't watch it are survivors and it's raw and it's deep and it's painful. There's also many that are evil and that are cowards and have that going on in their heart. Whether they know it or not, they can be religious and in ministry and think that they're doing the right thing and still have that opening in their heart to darkness that would allow them to cover such an injustice. Makes me so mad. All right. I'm going way over here. This is definitely a series. But just know that forgiveness is possible. And what you really want by holding on to unforgiveness is you want healing. You don't want to be bitter and you don't want to be tormented. You want to be loved and you want somebody to love you and to care for you in the space of pain and harm and hurt. And only Jesus can do that. He's the only one. He holds your healing. He's the only one that has the power to. And I know what it's like to lose people and we're wired people and we're supposed to have people we're supposed to have our family our family's supposed to be safe so painful but we can't love our pe- our people our family our systems our church above God and God is a God of justice he's a God of truth he's a God of forgiveness and he is humble he's not prideful so if you haven't read the chapter in my book on pride and you're like struggling you're listening and you're struggling with this and you're like oh my gosh like I wish I could Be courageous instead of a coward. You need to get delivered from pride. God is faithful to forgive 
He gave us forgiveness. We have to extend that. But we have to stand on the truth. So how can you forgive and not reconcile and move on? This is a this is a choice without a feeling first. A lot of the feelings come after healing. So you keep saying, I choose as an act of my free will to forgive the person that abused me. Forgive the sins that happened to me, God. And forgive me for wanting to hurt or harm or retaliate or punish or kill or all the things that you're feeling that were really in your head by demons. And you start to pray for that person. And you don't stop. Even if that person is behind bars. Even if that person has been punished, is is paying for their consequences. You pray for them. And you move forward. With the freedom in your heart that comes from forgiveness. You are not tormented anymore. All right. Father, I pray. First of all, I thank you, God. I thank you that you, you forgave the man on the cross. He was a thief, a murderer, I think. They were crucifying him. It was pretty bad, whatever he did. And you forgave And you forgive us. And there's nothing, there's nothing we can do that you won't forgive. We can abuse, we can murder, we can, what's worse than that? Those are like the two worst things, I feel like, right? Um, You forgive. That's what you do. That's who you are. But we know a tree by their fruit, and we know when the grace and the forgiveness has come into somebody's life, there's fruit. There's evidence of that. There's repentance, and there should definitely be repentance um, towards an ownership, towards um, confession, towards the, the victims, the survivors. Those are signs that you've done that work in in an abuser. And so, Father, I pray that you give everyone listening the courage to stand for truth, to love you above their systems, the people in their systems, and that you would help them to forgive. Give them the strength. Give them the ability. And thank you that we even have it as an option and that it's the doorway to our freedom. It's a step out of the pit. We thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Reconstructed Woman podcast. To join the journey, head over to the reconstructedwoman.com. Here's to freedom.